Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Five final, Jason Jones from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer is right over there. Say hey, Joe. If you don't like the new playoff format, you're a cop. Okay, wait, no, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same playoff <laughs> format so far. Like nothing is actually. Don't, don't if anything, around, don't the new playoff format is just killing like all of the players. Yeah, no, it's kind of amazing. Uh, we'll get, we'll get <laughs> their legs are falling more. off. Right, which, which could be great for us. Um, we'll, we'll get into that more. We have just found out who uh, the opponent will be in the next round. Of course, you, if you're listening to this, you already know that it's going to be Philadelphia after Chris Armis blew it again. Just oh, he blew, blew it. it. Just blew, this time, Chris Armis blew a 3-1 I mean, lead. That's the it. I, this one really was blown. I mean, Andre Blake had... <laughs> at least two maybe three how like just I, give I some goals to he, i mean three? the first one he there you could say he maybe you know it was well hit yeah. especially the last two were i mean literally thrown at the red bulls who you know of course <laughs> scored all their goals from inside the six yard box because what else did they do because they have guys like brian white and tom barlow getting significant minutes oh um, yeah but you wonder what the score would look like if you had a competent goalkeeping performance from from blake yeah no the xg well i don't know if the xg will show that um but yeah you do wonder oh it you does do you do wonder. I've, I've been i've been tracking the xg it actually it, it finished at 2.53 to 1.54 but the, yeah. go, the shots man philadelphia had 31 shots to red bulls 12 <laughs> amazing they, it's amazing that they never figured out how to press like the entire year they just forgot how to do it the whole game. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's very off-brand for them, but kind of on-brand for what Chris Armas has done, uh, especially since he blew it uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Just, I think it uh, does show how good of a. Yeah. I think it does show how good of a coach Jesse Marsh was. Uh, yes. Not just what he's doing right now with uh, his new, but uh, you know, just to see the way that Red Bulls have really deteriorated. Not just their 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 standing or their you know where they are in mls but just the 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 style of play is just not what it used to be exactly the main thing here though is chris armis blew it and horns down uh this puts philadelphia coming our way we'll, we'll talk more about that later uh which is good that we even have a, a next game to talk about because atlanta united uh got the job done on saturday joe patrick yeah, they did. I mean, it was it was not pretty, but we're not no. allowed to complain about things being pretty or not pretty. Who cares? It's the playoffs. Nobody cared last year that we <laughs> Atlanta United played some of their well, I mean, it actually turned out all right cuz they got plenty of chances on the counterattack, but you know. Right. It was pragmatic. It was it was No, say the word. Kind of It was Say the word. KG. It was KG. KG. Got him in the cage, man gotta be cagey all the time cagey is the the big word of the 2019 mls cup playoffs presented by audi if we were sesame street the word of the day would be cagey we'd have a bunch of weird muppets running around trying to talk about it um but yeah a cagey performance sure why not um that kind of pragmatism though it's kind of the central theme of a lot of the talking points 
around yeah. this game, right? And the setup for this game and, and everything that happened uh, with Frank DeBoer's comments post-match as well. Everything is about winning four games, right? These four games in particular and making sure that mistakes are limited and, and things don't turn into the Red Bulls Philadelphia game because Philadelphia very well could have just completely capitulated there. They, they get lucky a little bit. They, they, they play pretty well down the stretch, honestly, uh, with coming back and scoring all those goals. But yeah, there for is, sure. There's volatility to all of this. And the caginess is, is needed to an extent, which is why you see folks like Emerson Hindman start. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. That, that, I thought uh, Frank actually gave you a really good response to your question at the post game press conference about. Why, like, it was a nice job by you kind of pinning him down on exactly why Heinemann, you know, and uh, and why Heinemann, especially what he does differently than Pitti. And I thought he just explained it pretty bluntly, which is that, like, he defends <laughs> box to box. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not that they play the same position, but he's just he needs another player in the squad that could do some of that. But I mean, that was certainly the talking point going into the game was the absence of Pitti Martinez from the starting eleven. Um, you know, it's a big deal, yeah. but it's, it, it, you know, there's so many kind of callbacks to the playoffs last year. And I think that's just one of them is that, you know, a, a star player is getting sacrificed essentially for the betterment of the over of the team. And I think that that's kind of what Frank was saying. Let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and read Frank's quotes on that right here. Cause like you said, I thought they were pretty good. Um, First off, he says, I only have so many positions right now. I think with the three in the midfield with Emerson, Jeff and Darlington is a good balance. Then I only have one spot left for the position and that's Barco or pity. Now I'm choosing Barco and he's doing well for me. I didn't have a reason to change. Uh, he goes on to say that you can play with Barco and PT like we did with Minnesota, but the discipline and what he does defensively and also to be in our box, we has to defend. That's the balance that I'm searching for. You can play without players like that, but it's a big risk. And I know that Emerson is very comfortable on the ball, and I think he did great with Barco and Darlington. And their free play is really comfortable. That's a classic Frank run-on sentence right there. Um, the playing, <laughs> they play small triangles together, and that I had no reason to change. And in the future, it can change. But right now, for me, this is the best balance in the midfield. Again, though, I'm looking for the opponent, and maybe next time I choose a different midfield. He um, won't. So so he won't he won't that's the thing right <laughs> like i noted that immediately like after i posted the quote I, I just said my gut tells me that there will never be an opponent that once that right forces frank to take away what in his to be mind more attacking balance. right yeah especially yeah. not in this format right yeah totally yeah your season's on the line in every game um what was it going to say? Oh, it, I, I thought one of the, from him saying all that, I thought one of the real takeaways I had was just that he just flat out rates Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel Barco uh, over Pitti Martinez. He, he, he said it pretty bluntly at one point. He said that, you know, it's the, a decision between the two of them for one position alongside Joseph Martinez. And I chose Barco, you know, like that's pretty much how he said it. But what I take from that is that Ezekiel Barco is better, and I thought he proved that. In the, I mean, in the game, he played great. He was, he was probably Atlanta's man of the match or one of them. I mean, I know we we have playoff yeah. Franco, and we can talk about all that. Playoff but... Franco. Sorry, no, that was good. That was <laughs> that guy. I just don't. It's just weird. I don't know. No one knows how to explain it. Everyone we talked to just kind of was like, I don't know. 
the playoffs, man. None Something about sense, it. Right? None of it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, he's no, like, we can get into playoff like more, but I do, I do just want to say that there's just no chance you're taking Sekio out at this point, right? Um, with with PT and everything that he does, just a Sekio is just it's a better fit for the team right now, and it, it's extremely apparent if you watch just for a few moments. And at that point, you're limited, so to where you can put PT. If you were going to play him and Barco together, like you said, the balance kind of gets gets a little messed up from Frank's perspective. Um, I'm not sure. I really, I mean, there's still a part of me that doesn't want to see PT out and, and misses that creative aspect that he does bring. Uh, but but I understand it. I get it. I, I can't say that Emerson Heinemann really did a whole lot well yesterday, but I can definitely say he didn't mess anything up. Right. Yeah, for sure. It was funny because um, there was at one point in the game where we were, I think we were both like, has Hyman really done that much? And I thought I remembered him making like one or two passes. And then I, I checked the the stats and he actually had the third most passes of any Atlanta United player. So it just seems like he's a guy that the ball kind of, he moves on quickly, you know, and you don't almost really notice when he, when he has it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's what Frank likes. He kind of likes to keep he he keeps that tempo going in midfield, and especially the way he and Nagby can play off of each other. Again, he talks about those passing triangles, but the way they can kind of pass and move and n- navigate their way through midfield, I think you know Frank really likes that. And I think that it's it's um I don't know if cautious is the right word, but it's just you know it's it's a pragmatic decision. So. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing again with this format, with the way that everything's set up. It's not that. Emerson Heinemann is a better player than PT Martinez. I don't think anyone in their right mind would say that. It's just that in this scenario, the particular skill sets that both bring to the table, Emerson is just a better fit for what they need to accomplish in this particular scenario, right? I mean, there's yeah, a reason PT played, I mean, almost every game, or most of the games this year, right, when he was available. He's, he's obviously extremely talented, but it's just not the right fit for right now. Yeah, and remember, go back to last year with Tata Martino, and what did he say? Like just as much as Frank talks about winning duels, that's the he talked about not making mistakes, you know, and that's the most important thing in the playoffs. And Frank has mentioned that as well this year. Mm-hmm. And like just to put it like Pity is the one who's going to make the most mistakes on the team. <laughs> like that's just part of what he what he brings to the table. He's also going to create the most um, out of nothing as well. But at this point in the season, in this kind of format the mistakes are what you have to avoid. So, you know, sometimes that's going to come at a cost. And what I really thought was a little bit more, um, probably more of a downer for him was the fact that he never came on as a sub. And right. Tio Villalba, who did come on as a sub, actually looked really good. And I thought that Atlanta was actually able to really, ex- um, you know, take advantage of what he brought to the game in terms of just his pace. Like it, it, He just started flying up that left wing and, Atlanta was able to exploit that. They were able to use that 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 at that tactic um, in a way they hadn't been able to do before uh, earlier in the game. Which is where we have to eat crow a little bit because we said on our our preview show that PT was definitely going to see significant minutes. Right? He yeah. he was not going to be a human victory cigar. Well, we were right about him not being the human victory cigar because he didn't show up in the game, which. <laughs> It's crazy. It, it really is. It, it's crazy for me to think about. But again, you're right. Diablo looked good. Diablo, it was a good yeah. adjustment by Frank. I mean, they shift to the back four as well, that double substitution where they bring in Flo yeah. Pogba. And of course, after that, Escobar 
finds his rhythm as playoff Franco and gets the goal just a few minutes after. So all the right buttons pressed yesterday, and, and you can't fault Frank for anything. I, I think we should talk about the, the the tactical change that he made by changing the formation because I really thought that was the key in the game and that Bruce Arena's team was never able to really figure out how to counteract that change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because at halftime, I, I kind of tweeted out there that it was – you know, it was advantage arena at that point because at nil nil at halftime and you're on the road, the onus was really on Frank DeBoer at that point to make a change that was going to influence the game in his team's favor. And sure. Bruce arena was always going to have the advantage there because, you know, you can see when, when one manager makes a change, you can react on that, you know, and, and try to counteract what they bring to what they, uh, you know, the players that they bring into the game. And, Frank's change was just so good. I think it just really flummoxed New England, especially because they were so used to defending a team with wingbacks and not really worried about getting overrun on the, on the wings. They were just had to have one guy responsible for tracking, keeping tabs on on Julian Gressel or just Amiram. And then when you went to the back four, then you've got the fullback overlapping the winger. And I just don't think that New England ever figured out how to you know how to stop that and that's exactly how the goal came about was Franco Escobar mm-hmm. just making a free run and you could just see him run past New England defenders because no one picked him up because they weren't used to seeing that kind of pattern of play earlier in the game yeah even though Franco did try a couple of times there was one point I looked up and Franco was quite literally at the striker striker position <laughs> um, which was hilarious I don't know how he ended up there but he kept making the run and then I was like okay now it's time to stop and then he kept making it I was like okay really stop Franco and then he tried, you know. <laughs> Ended up in front of everybody in an offside position <laughs> while the ball was getting played around the back. It was it was miraculous. Um, n- n- hated that moment, but uh, but enjoyed his enthusiasm when he came forward for the goal. And it's a great observation, Joe. That you know they they saw Gressel coming in and everything like that and didn't know didn't know what to do. Um, at the same time, you, you have to give credit to New England because you said I think you said it. They, neutralized the wingbacks really well. Justin Miro yeah. was out of it. Gressel uh, really couldn't get going in the same way he did in the, the previous game, which I think we all expected. I don't think any of us expected Julian to come out and have that much space and the revolution to not adjust in some way. But again, that's where the credit comes in for Frank. He adjusted and, and outsmarted him for a second there. Yeah, and the uh, I thought... Bruce Arena uh, used a backup left back, a guy he hasn't used as much, uh, Dewan Jones, I think is his last name. Um, and he's got a little bit more pace. And I think that you, Gressel mm-hmm. talked about that after the game, saying that was something they weren't really expecting and it actually helped them to have a guy with a little bit more pace that was able to keep tabs on Gressel. And if they, they lost him, you know, he could track him down. I think it was really interesting thinking back to the beginning of the game. I don't know if you'll remember this, but somebody hit a long diagonal ball. I think it was Barco. And he kind of assumed that Julian Gressel was going to be like chasing it down, you know, running, running really high up the field. And he was just not even making attempt. He was sitting back. And then when we talked to him after the game, he was like, yeah, I was, you know, coming into this game, knowing we didn't have miles at the back, you know, we were all kind of much more keyed in defensively and making sure we didn't want to give up anything. So we weren't really <laughs> making as many run forwards and, uh, I just thought it was funny with Barco hitting a, a like an inch, really an inch perfect ball, but there was nobody within forty yards of it. But it was just kind of a you know that just kind of showed what kind of mentality Atlanta United was bringing into that game. Just 
being a little bit more cautious. I was just interested interested to see how that that pragmatism was going to manifest itself in this team because with Tata Martino, you know, what, what we saw, how we saw it manifest itself was the team sitting deeper, sitting off the ball, getting more out on the counterattack, as opposed to I, th- I was worried that we would see Frank DeBoer's team try to like maintain a lot of possession. And they did keep more possession um, than, uh, than the revolution game, but I never thought it was like dangerously poor possession. Like I consider dangerously poor possession when you're up in kind of in the opponent's half and you're still not threatening. And that gives them chances to to spring in behind you on the counter. I just thought it was, it was kind of a boring style that Atlanta United played, but you know, they weren't going to get burned. Everything stayed in front of them. And I thought that was key with not, not having a guy like Miles Robinson in there to, to kind of track things down, chase those guys, uh, you know, running in behind you. There you go. All right, I think. Do we have anything else we kind of want to say about uh, this one before we kind of move on to the preview section? Um, I mean, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I know there was a lot of consternation about. I, I, I want to say something because I kind of brought it in. I don't want to say that it started because of me or anything, but I think I was kind of the first person to tweet out the picture of. Uh, of Pitti Martinez not being at that team dinner that for to honor Parkhurst earlier in the week. I forget exactly what day it was. I want to say it was, it would have been Wednesday night. Um, talked to Julian after the game, kind of asked, uh, so I was asking about Pitti and he kind of gave, he gave me a good answer, but he said that, you know, Pitti found out earlier in the week that he wasn't going to be starting in the game and that he was, you know, kind of pissed or frustrated or whatever. You know, he was, he was not happy that he was not going to be starting he said that he came around and um, and you know was a very supportive teammate. Was just on board with everything. Was really good during the game on Saturday. But I have a feeling it was probably that day on Wednesday when he found out. And honestly, that actually makes me uh, at least I kind of feel like I know more about the situation where I can understand where he was coming from there. Um, you know, because I, I it is it's got to be uh, a huge disappointment for him to to receive that news. It's not easy for a player to just be like, okay, yeah, cool. Not playing. Awesome. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I understand the frustration, but I think that, you know, everybody that's listening to this should, should know that that's, that's what's going on with that situation. There you go. All right, cool. Uh, let's preview some things. Yeah. After this break, let's, 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 uh, let's actually throw it to commercials. Welcome back. I'm sure that was an extremely enlightening <laughs> commercial about MeUndies or something. <laughs> Good Lord. I, I've listened to our commercials before. They are, they are out there on the spectrum compared to other SB Nation podcasts. Um, anyway. I think we have like the generic, like, like, you know, there's like certain podcasts they have like, uh, you know, they're tuned into certain, I don't know kinds of genres of, of, uh-huh. of ads that they play or whatever. And we just get the standard. Or maybe the random ones. I don't know. All the ones on the back burner where they're like, oh, crap, we still have these. We might yeah, as well they, just throw them out somewhere. We owe, yeah, they have to show those advertisers that they actually played those ads on somebody's podcast. So they'll just throw them on ours. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Buy their stuff. Yeah, or or not. Or don't. Whatever. We get, buy buy <laughs> makes no difference to the to game us. on Thursday transition um, as Atlanta United takes on the Philadelphia Union. Uh, the new uh, challenger 
for this. Like we talked about at the beginning of the show, they just have taken down Red Bulls not even 30 minutes ago. They went the full 120 minutes there. And that one came out with a 4-3 win. Chris Armas blows it. And Philadelphia continues to show that, I mean, they're a legit attacking force, right? They they don't mess around when they're moving the ball forward. Now, are they going to do great defensively? Is Andre Blake going to probably do something kind of boneheaded at times? Yeah, maybe. But they still, it's a, it's a re- really good team, I think. And I'm kind of... I'm kind of scared, especially with the unknowns about Atlanta's back line right now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's going to be a really fun game. I think there's going to be goals. We saw Atlanta United kind of tear them up, even when Atlanta was on absolute dead legs, playing basically the last game of a really, really tough stretch through August where they played like eight or nine games in, you know, 25 days or something crazy like that. And uh, and it, Atlanta was very close to getting a result. They they scored an amazing goal earlier in the game, and then they they could have uh, had an equalizer later on. So I think that it's it's a game, and and that was a that was an Atlanta and the United team that was you know quite depleted. So I think we're in to, for some goals. And that one tall bony looking dude scares the hell out of me. He looks like a ghoul. You uh, you show some respect to my tall lanky adult son Jack Elliott. <laughs> Thank you very much. He looks like the, not to be too mean, but he looks like the blue alien from Space Jam. The one that gets like really tall compared to everyone else. I think it's like the one that steals like Sean Mullins's yeah, basketball uh, powers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I said it's the right not, name. That's not, yeah, it's some, that's not who Sean it is. It's someone is like a, that. A contemporary. Yeah, isn't he like a 90s alternative singer? Yeah. Uh-huh. I met him once. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, y'all go, <laughs> y'all, y'all go look up Jack Elliott. Uh, he's a fascinating-looking human. Try not to stare at him the whole game, though. Focus on the ball. We'll be playing Sean Mullins on the outro. <laughs> well, there we go. We already sorted that out. Then you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, um, but yeah, he looks yeah, just that- like a Greg Ostertag or some tall <laughs> European NBA player amazing his neck Apparently, like he's from london longer than his torso what he's from london ah gotcha okay well good jack elliott he's from, from london. london our new favorite player our new favorite player um yeah no you're right though it's going to be an open game it's going to be really open i think i don't think we're going to see the same levels of uh, caginess things getting cagey as we did with new england um, other than I, that, though, I think the biggest question for Atlanta right now is is formation and, and who you actually play on the back line because we did talk about it in the, the review part of Five Stripe Final, but Michael Parkers goes down with a really weird freak shoulder injury. Yeah, it was weird. Normally you see those shoulder injuries when they contact the ground, and that's not what this was. It was just like somebody lifted his arm and just pulled the arm out of sight. It's just very strange the way it happened. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I've seen the replay again, and it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But obviously, in a lot of pain, the ambulance was in the corridor when we were walking down. And, of course, he went to the hospital at some point there last night. Uh, posted on Instagram later after that that he is good and okay. But, I mean, he's probably out for one to two weeks, which puts him out for at least the next two games if they happen. And, and probably, probably MLS Cup if that happens as well. But we'll have to see. 
We'll he was the photo that he posted. He was eating some like sushi out of a plastic tray. If that had happened to me, I would have a gallon tub of ice cream in front of me. Take that picture. <laughs> you would. You would. I would not be eating diet, anything right? that's remotely healthy. After I would feel sorry for myself and do bad things to my body. It looked like that extreme form of pain where you just don't want anybody to be looking at you. It hurts so bad, right? Yeah. Like you're just really, really trying to get out of there as quick as possible because you're tired of one being hurt like the way you are and two people watching you be hurt that badly. It was it was rough. Um, hopefully that's not the last we see of Parker's. But if that is the last game in his career, he played really, really well before that. Um, but what it does do is it does pose a lot of problems for Atlanta who have already lost – one center back before that and are now down to some tough choices at the back. Yeah, I was sorry. I was just laughing at, I was reading Frank DeBoer's quote on Parkhurst and I don't know, like it just sounds funny to me. The quote is in regards to Michael Parkhurst, it's really all bad news. Of course his shoulder pop out and was dislocated, but the worst thing is it wouldn't go back in. (laughs) Bleak. The way he talks about these, yeah, it's just, uh. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's going to come in for him. I think we'll still probably play a three, and it'll be, I guess, I mean, Florentine Pogba. Point, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the only two, the two options I'm thinking of are, are Pogba or possibly Laurentowitz and moving him back. But um, Oh, dear God. Yeah, I mean, it's these are the times, these, these are the. It gets even worse if we were to win this game. LGP will pick up a yellow card in this game, and then <laughs> and then he will be suspended for the conference final. Oh in which gosh. case, in in if Atlanta United advances, they'll have a back three of probably Pogba, Lorenowitz, and Escobar. Yeah, oh, did Escobar be. pick up a yellow card in this game? Please tell uh, me. You did not. I can't remember. Can't remember. Uh, Lorenowitz is also Lorenowitz like is on a yellow card. Right? Yeah, that's Jeff true. is on a yellow card. So if he picks up a yellow card, oh boy. It, it really, could get really ugly. It's two yellow cards and you're suspended? Yeah. If it's, the what only way you can be suspended world? for accumulation in the playoffs is if you, if you get a yellow in the first two games. You're suspended for the third. Wow. That's, right. There's no other possible way you can serve a accumulation suspension. They get wiped out after that. So, yeah. yeah well, look forward still to that. It's still pretty, like, it's still, I still don't like it, though. Yeah, no, it's, it's real stupid. Real stupid, especially when it hurts Atlanta United like that. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. So so we're saying back three, flow. I, I swear to God, if they start Lorenowitz at center back, I, I you know me. I, I, I have been a fan of Jeff for a while. Uh, I you have? Don't appre- yes. I don't appreciate him at center back, though. It, it never ends well, it seems like. Yeah. It's always rough. It, he just doesn't have the same effect on the game. He ends up being a body more than anything, and I think Pogba is just such a better option. I think you got to play Pogba at this point and continue to let Jeff do what he did in the midfield. He was phenomenal, I thought, in the game against the Revolution. Starting Lorenowitz at center back is like eating Mexican food because it's like, oh, man, I haven't had this in a while. This is pretty good. Like, it'll be pretty good. And then you eat it, and I guess it tastes good for a little bit, but then you start regretting it. Quite quickly. What, what Mexican food are you eating? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think know. You're eating at the right places. Oh, um, Taco Bell. 
Taco Bell. Taco Bell's a better analogy. Yes. We'll say Taco Bell and not just Mexican food in general. Uh, but yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's about right. It's about right. It's just not. It, it seems like a good idea, but then it, it never plays out in reality the way you picture it in your mind. Exactly. Exactly. I like do think we'll, you, we'll, probably the, we'll probably see the. We'll probably we'll probably see that uh, that back three shuffled around a little bit. I would think LGP probably plays in the middle, and then Floor and Pogba will play on the left side of it. I would think. I think if you're in that setup, it allows Pogba to get in more into those uh, aerial duels against the striker. The the guy in the middle is able is more of like a sweeper type, and also that might keep uh, keep LGP from picking up a yellow card if he's not you know getting up the field, getting himself into those battles. Yeah, no, that that would have to be it. I think that makes a lot of sense to me, and it's probably what we'll see. It's probably what we'll see. I do think there's a possibility they come straight out with a back four. I mean, we've seen we've seen Flo I mean, moving to yeah. that left back spot. Uh, the last couple games, but of course that may have been tailor made for for the revolution. Yeah, so, it could I, happen. I, I don't know. I I definitely I, I would think that the player who comes uh, who takes Michael Parker's place in the match day eighteen is going to be Mikey Ambrose because he can play left back and that just gives you more options. There's obviously not another center back. You can't bring in another center back to you know. There there's just not another one available that you can pick right. from. George Campbell is not a professional. Uh, player until his homegrown contract kicks in, which starts January first. So he is not eligible for uh, for first team selection. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I don't think you want him to pay his yeah, first. Yeah. Start. It wouldn't be yeah. fair to throw him into the fire scenario. like that. Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. So yeah, keeping that in mind, I think you're right about the back three. I think you're right. Um, so there you go, mystery solved. <laughs> we're, we're definitely not going to be wrong about that in any way. Do not add us. <laughs> what? I do want to say I would, you know, I'm interested to see how the turnout is Thursday night because I thought the the atmosphere was honestly better than I was expecting on Saturday. I know that it's a playoff game and you would expect it to be, you know, very hyped and everything, but I don't know. I just you I think posted in our in our Slack chat earlier this week like the, the the ticket sales showing the upper bowl because they you know they they just announced it when they made qualified uh, for the playoffs, I guess th- that they were opening the upper deck for this game. And it mm. was very, very empty. And I was worried it was going to be like not much more over 45,000, but it was, it was pretty full in there. And from everything I've heard, the, the atmosphere inside was really good. The supporter section in particular looked like it was jam packed. Yeah. No, the crowd fit in really, really well, kind of compared to what I thought it might be, especially just kind of, it had that weird noon kickoff kind of feel. Right, yeah, where, for like, sure. Everyone just kind of stumbling in late, a little spooky, little rough start, but but it all worked out. Uh, I think what I'm told is that Thursday will be 45k, from my understanding. So it will not be. I think that's cap. good though. I think that's better. Yeah. I think that you know just some of the best atmospheres. <laughs> <laughs> some of the best atmospheres we've seen in. I think in this in the stadium's history have been with it in the forty five thousand configuration. Not all, of course. You know, MLS Cup final was huge. Um, there have been some amazing, amazing crowds when it's fully open. But I just think of that Kansas Cup game, and it was not even that. I don't even think that was a sellout of the forty five thousand. No. It was just lit up. And I think obviously the Club America fans have a lot to do with that. Um, but I think we're going to have a pretty special atmosphere on Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. It'll be good. Anything else you want to say about this one before we get out of here? Uh, no, I, that's it for me. I think we can get out of here. Let's do it. All right. 
Uh, see y'all Thursday. We'll have a show to you no matter the outcome sometime in the next couple of days after the game on Thursday. Uh, follow Dirty South Soccer at Dirty South Sock on Twitter. Follow Joe Patrick at JPatrick200 on Twitter. If you're, if you're nice and you're not a jerk and you're not going to tweet mean things at him, please. Uh, don't follow me. Please. And uh, if you know anybody trying to give a, a grad student a job, get at me. Get at me. Seriously. Shameless. His, his Twitter is J underscore Sam Jones and someone hire him. He's a much better writer than I am or anyone at Dirty South Soccer, in my opinion. Don't possibly a, possibly the best writer in all of SB Nation soccer. Don't, don't at me. Please don't at me. All right, don't at him, bye. but hire him. But hire me, yes. All right, bye, y'all. See ya. I see everything.